What's going on, guys? Welcome back to episode five of the Rebuilding New York Football Podcast. Happy Election Day. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I just recorded this intro about 30 seconds ago, and I started with saying I was going to make it quick at the election today, and I ended up making it a little too preachy for my uh, preference. So, um, I am going to make this as quick as possible this go around because we have a lot to get to. We had two interesting games this weekend um, for the Jets and the Giants. Uh, I have no, nothing else to say except vote today um i'm not going to tell you who to vote for that's that's on you to know what policies and the people that are running today um whether it be your local elections or your presidential election it simply does not matter you need to know what you're voting for um and the first step of that is just looking the people up i mean Who's on my ballot? Um, Google it. Like it comes up. It's it's not all too hard. Um, I know polling lines are very long today. Uh, I sat on a line at five forty-five this morning in the freezing cold to cast my ballot. Um, it suck it up. Like it is what it is, and um, I don't want to hear it if you're on the opposite side of whoever wins this election, um, whether it be tonight or in the coming days, and you're the one complaining and it's like, did you vote? And you're like, no, I don't, I just don't want to hear it. Um, it's on you. And, uh, I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to say who to vote for. Uh, that's not my job. That's, that's on you as well to know who to vote for and to examine who these, uh, candidates are um, and what they stand for. So, uh, yeah, go out and vote today. I mean, it's... Uh, I know people have jobs um, and, and that sucks that if you can't get your ballot up because of your job, but um, as far as I'm concerned, the ballots, I believe, in New York are open till 9 o'clock tonight. So if you're working from uh, six o'clock in the morning to nine o'clock at night. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. Uh, you should have voted sooner because it's not like there was, um, you weren't able to because of early voting. So, uh, like I said, that's on you. You're not allowed to complain with the results. If you don't vote, that's all I have to say. Um, go out and vote today. Uh, not really, not, not much else to say. Um, like I said, didn't want to make it a whole spiel, and uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you who to vote for. All right, let's uh, let's um, let's hit the Jets real quick because Avery Williamson was traded to the Steelers um, last night, two nights ago, Sunday night. Uh, not exactly. I don't really remember. I think it was Sunday night uh, or Monday morning. I 
really don't recall. The days kind of merge with uh, how often I'm home now, in all honesty, which is pretty sad. Oh, this is two days ago, Sunday night. Um, so the Jets are trading away Avery Williamson um, and a 2022 seventh round pick. Uh, and in return for a fifth round pick in 2022 of the Steelers. Um, immediate thoughts. The other offers must have been very bad. Um, if the Jets are willing to give up a 2022 seventh round pick for a fifth round pick in 2022, people must not have been interested. And rightfully so. Um, Every listen, Avery Williamson, great uh, character guy from uh, from my understanding. Of course, I'm not um, entirely plugged into the locker room. It's not like I'm hanging around these guys, but um, from everything that I understand, the guy's awesome. Is uh, a good person, um, but just not really that. Um, what would be the correct phrase of this? He's not the modern linebacker that the uh, NFL has really shifted to. He isn't that great in pass coverage. We, I can, I go over it in the film a little bit, um, where they kind of pick on him a little bit and uh, his zone often in this Chiefs game. So the fact that they're getting anything on an expiring deal, um is pretty impressive and in my opinion at least um if you go to his contract it's a little weird like it's still an eight million dollar no it's not an eight million dollar hit i'm not sure how much do the jets have to pay him now because he's on an expiring deal um let me pull that up because I actually do not know the answer to that question. They're paying him $3 million for the rest of the year. All right, that makes sense. Uh, he was expiring after the season, so I don't really see it as that big of a deal. He was probably walking anyway. The Jets weren't going to pay him. Um, they have C.J. Mosley coming back. They have... Um, I'm going to butcher his name. Patrick... Unawasar, Anawasar, who I was pretty excited for going into the season um, to see him and Mosley play together. I thought he was going to have the job over Williamson, but he's been pretty banged up this year. He ended up on IR uh, pretty quickly. He is someone that I think, I don't want to say he can be special because he is 28 already. But he, under four years with the Ravens, was pretty. He was a pretty talented player, and uh, I, I don't know. I just, I think that um, they make this move knowing that they have something with him. They have something with Hewitt. Uh, Cashman comes back, but listen, I, I know Jets fans really like Blake Cashman and the idea of Blake Cashman. Um, I'm not entirely sure what it stems from because. It, uh, and at the NFL level, it hasn't been great. Um, he's been beat up a lot. Um, 
in three games this year, he has five tackles. I don't, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I don't get that, but, um, hey, I, I, like, I don't know. He's an undersized linebacker who struggles in coverage. He was picked in the fifth round. I don't understand. Jets fans are very interesting with who they fall in love with and who they don't fall in love with. Like Blake Cashman's name has been thrown out there for a while now as like a potential starter. And I don't even know where that idea kind of came from. He was a, a fifth round pick in 2019. Like he fell to the fifth round for a reason. There were, a lot of linebackers that went before him. Mac Wilson went before him. Justin Hollins went before him. Andrew Van Ginkle went before him. Dre Greenlaw went before him. Vassan Joseph went before him. Ryan Connolly went before him. And these are all in the same round. Like, this isn't a bunch of rounds before. This is all fifth-round picks. It's like six linebackers that went before him in the, in the fifth round. I don't understand why we're going to sit here and act like Blake Cashman is going to turn around this shit's football team. I don't know if he's going to start. I don't think he starts over Hewitt. I don't think he starts over... Um, Anawas- oh, I can't pronounce his name. Anawasar. Anawusar. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll call him Patrick. <laughs> I don't see him starting over, especially with how uh, productive Patrick has been over the past two years with uh, Baltimore. 64 tackles, three sacks, um, and then in 2018, 59 tackles and five and a half sacks. So why why do we think that Blake Cashman is going to be the starter? Um, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I think Jets fans are going to be disappointed by that. Um, that's just me. Uh Sorry, Jets fans. Don't mean to rip you. I'm I'm one of you, so I get it. You you want to lo- uh, latch on to anything potentially exciting, uh, and I don't blame you because there's not a lot to be excited about this year. But the idea that Blake Cashman is it is it, just it's it's wrong. He's not going to uh, be all too impressive. Um, in my opinion, but uh, I digress. Moving on, um, we'll start with the Giants game, just because we did the Jets opening, and you know, I'm sure Giants fans love to hear me rant about my New York Jets um, and how bad they are and uh, them tanking. But um, we'll move on to the Giants. Uh, of course, they lose a heartbreaker last night to the Buccaneers. Where a lot of the game, you're, you're thinking, damn, are they going to be able to pull this off? Um, that's at least what I was thinking. Uh, I, you kind of get the impression that at the end of the day, the Bucks were simply the better team, uh, even though the, the Giants lose on the heartbreaking two-point conversion that we'll talk about later. It doesn't mean that. Um, the uh, the Giants were exactly 
Um, they were in a position to win last night is what I'm trying to say. Um, so we'll start with the offense. Um, my first note is... Uh, no, I wrote, I will implode if the Giants keep using Ingram on uh, these short routes. They did it until the end where he had one of that, uh, one of those nice. It was almost like the same play from the one that he dropped, uh, but he reels it in. I don't know why they don't use him on more deep routes, but uh, I guess that's Jason Garrett for you. Actually, I have a theory on that, but we'll get to that later. Um, I love the trick play. Slayton beats his man multiple times tonight down the field, and Jones just can't hit him on the deep ball. Um, they catch a break with the fumble in the beginning, and they get the ball inside the 20. And then Jones throws a beautiful touchdown pass to Deion Lewis. And it makes you wonder, right? Because the next three lines are me ripping Daniel Jones and his deep ball because he can't finish on it. And I don't know. I have to look at, I mean, the coach's film wasn't up yet, so I don't know for sure what the exact problem was. Um, he's not following through maybe, um, but there's on the, on this drive alone, Darius Slayton wide open twice. Uh, they're both touchdowns. Um, and he just, he can't connect on it. And, uh, it, the placement tonight is, is out of touch outside of that touchdown throw that he has. It's just, it's very confusing because it, it makes you wonder if he's the guy. And we'll talk about that later. That's kind of what we're going to end with today. Uh, later on in the pod, we're going to talk about Daniel Jones is that guy. But for right now, I mean, there were points where it just did not look great. Um, so um, they go down and they score a touchdown. Uh, and I break down, I don't know if... Will Hernandez gets this job back because Lemieux looked pretty good last night. He held his own. And um, especially on that Goldman touchdown, um, he knocks Devin White back and they, they get him for the score. And I'm not saying that Will Hernandez couldn't have done that, but I don't know. I, I just, I, he might've volley pipped him. He might've volley pipped him. I, I don't know what else to say. Um, uh, the Jones pick, no pocket feel, uh, and he's inaccurate on it. He gets hit as he throws, but why doesn't he throw it sooner? I don't know, because I think it's Sterling Shepard on the right side is wide open down the field. And I don't know if he doesn't feel confident in making the throw, but he throws it in the end. So I don't understand it, but that's that's why kind of my takeaway is there's just no pocket feel with him. And there's no anticipation. And he looks nervous to throw it down the field at times. Um, I read after that, Giants win if Jones hits any of these touchdowns. Because they're, they're all wide open. Um, there's another one later on in the game where Sterling Shepard is wide open. And it's six. Like, there's just... There's nothing else I could say about it. Um, I don't. I really. I don't know what else to say. 
because like you, you gotta hit the, in the big games too. It's Monday night football. You're playing a six and uh, two or five and two Bucks team. You gotta hit those throws, man. Um, and then I remember after that, starting to think the short routes, especially with Evan Ingram and the swings, are because they know Jones is not an accurate deep ball thrower. And if that's the case, I I apologize to Jason Garrett because he would be building his offense around Daniel Jones rather than um, forcing Daniel Jones to throw it down the field more. Um, so if that's the case, I res- I respect Jason Garrett for that because after tonight, I, I don't know what, how I feel about Jones's deep ball. It, it just looked not great. Um, Slayton proved that he was the number one tonight. Uh, Evan Ingram's play downfield was awesome. Giants fans need to stop talking about a trade uh, if they're going to use him the way that they used him on that play. Um, or if they can get a haul for him, because I, I do think that both teams will probably benefit from him being traded, but if they're going to use him down the field, I'm, I'm fine with him staying around. Um, it's the Giants take the lead in the third quarter on a, I believe a 10 play drive that they run out about five minutes of the clock on. And that's really was their game plan. It seemed to, to really try and run the clock out of a little bit and keep the ball out of Brady's hands. It just didn't go as well as they planned. It seems, um, they, they struggled to move the ball at times. Um, but, and I will say, but at the end of the third quarter, they uh, they kind of succeed. Uh, they held the ball for about six minutes, and uh, they end up with a field goal. And the reason I bring that up is because you can't beat the Buccaneers with field goals. That drive has to finish with the touchdown. There's just no excuses. And... I, I just that makes that worries me. I mean, that that's really how you lose this game by kicking a field goal at that point in the game. When and I'm not saying he should have went for it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you can't afford to kick. Like you need to pick up the first down and move move the six. Uh, that's all I'll say about that. Um. Then Daniel Jones on the next drive throws a terrible pick. The decision making tonight is not so great. Um, and then the three minute drill, Giants start the drive like they're not down by eight points. Runs, short passes, it's fourth down, and Slayton bails them out on a great play that he makes where he catches it before the yard marker coming back to the football and turns it upfield and grabs the first down. Um, Jones almost blows the game several times during this drive uh, and then saves himself because the Golden Tate touchdown was on point. It was in a great spot, and Golden Tate makes a great play. So I give him credit for that. But, like, he flashes at times. But but it's just... then. Well, okay, so here's the perfect example of the two sides of Daniel Jones. He throws that beautiful touchdown pass at Golden Tate with 28 seconds left. And then on the two-point conversion, it's a flat. Like you throw into the flats, right? 
and he throws it on the inner shoulder of um was it Gallman? No, who was it? It might have been no, it was probably Dion Lewis. That it wasn't Gallman. They're not having Gallman run routes. Um Dion Lewis, who has to turn his back, and of course he gets interfered with because there's no other place that he could put the ball. I mean, there's no other place the defender can go, right? Like he's gonna they're gonna collide on that because Dion Jones is turning to the inside and the defenseman's right there. That's why they waved it off realistically. But I personally don't think that you can wave a flag off like that. If you throw the flag, you own up to it. Um, in my opinion. They probably should have replayed it. But uh, end up waving it off. Giants lose. Um, but the fact that he couldn't make that throw, uh, that really sucked. Because there was a chance for them to win the game on that. Um or I'm you know sent to overtime whatever same thing. Um, as for the defense, I have less notes and and the notes are light today because there was no coaches film up. The Jets notes are probably gonna be a little longer. Sorry, Giants fans, you got screwed. Jets fans are gonna get screwed next week when they play the Patriots on Monday Night Football and the coaches film isn't up on time. Um, so it is my opinion. And I've changed course on this. The Giants need to do everything in their power to keep Tomlinson, Leonard Williams, and Dexter Lawrence together because no one's really able to push them around, and they're almost too good for their their worst enemy. And they become too aggressive up and get too up the field on runs. But other than that, no one's really pushing the, that team around, uh, and I think it's it's. Really, why they, their defense is so successful is because they have a pass rush. I know that the sacks aren't there yet because they don't really have an egg, edge rusher. Um, like a natural edge rusher. Um, but they're able to push the pocket back into Brady. And um, quarterbacks with good feel are able to, um, you know, read the pocket like that. But. Uh, it's, it's going to work a lot of the times, and I really like what they're building up there and the pressures they're getting. Uh, so some of my notes. The defense thrive, thrives through the defensive line, uh, especially with that young secondary that they have. Uh, Peppers gets uh, credit for deflection on third and long at the 50, but Julian Love really makes this play. Peppers got beat on this, um, and they... Gave a lot of credit to Peppers on the broadcast, which was one of the reasons why I bring this up. I, I don't know if people realize what play I'm talking about. I believe it's Scotty Miller coming across the field on a deep crosser. Um, it might not have been Scotty Miller, though. might have been the tight end. It might have been um, either Breit or... Nope, couldn't have been Breit. Um I'm not sure who it was thrown to, but he was coming across the field on a deep cross from the right side to the left side. Uh, Peppers gets beat. So I'm thinking it's Scotty Miller because Peppers gets beat. Um, and he catches up to him because Brady kind of throws this like little short ball um, that's in between the safety, Julian Love, and uh, or the, the deep guy, 
uh, I'll call him, who I think they were playing cover three, um, and Julian Love and uh, Peppers, who was covering uh, whoever it was. Now, Peppers gets a hand on it, but the reason why Brady throws it the way he does is because Julian Love was able to come down on the football, and Brady kind of has to short arm it, right, and kind of slow it down a little bit, so Peppers gets to catch up to it. So that's why, I don't know, I, I believe that uh, Love deserves a little more credit for that play. He's been making plays the past couple of weeks. I, I have to say, he's he's impressed me. He stood out a little bit um, as a guy who can cover and um, in both zone and man. Um, he kind of got screwed once or twice on perfect coverage plays where the ball is put in the right spot. And that, that kind of crap just happens sometimes, like... It is what it is, but I, I don't know. I, I like what I've seen out of him. Uh, I give credit to Gettleman, and uh, that might be controversial, but uh, the secondary might not be great, but he's taking a lot of capital and using it on the secondary to kind of put something together, right? If you look at the draft, you have um, Holmes, Love, Yudom, Yudom, uh you have the supplemental draft. You have Sam Beal, who's out this year for COVID. Um, you have journeyman Ryan Lewis, who's turned into something and has really been that cornerback number two this week, this year, uh, though he was missed last night. Logan Ryan comes out on a one-year deal. And then the the big haul in Bradbury. And it's been... It's young. It's been... Uh, ugly at some points. But at some points, it's looked really good. And um, it's still a weak point for them. They should probably still need to address it. But they have players and depth there. Um, going forward, sorry, as I take a drink. Um, it's, it's something to keep an eye on, though, because it's, it is kind of fascinating how much they've addressed it. Um, it's not a great look that you have a journeyman like Ryan Lewis come in and be your number two, though especially when you're drafting guys, right? Like that's not that great of a look, but Ryan Lewis has been pretty solid in my opinion over the past couple of weeks. Um, as the game goes on, you notice that the, the um, bucks are picking on Blake Martinez and Jabril peppers. Uh, they're the weak links that uh, Brady's attacking in the zone. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I think I'm moving for Peppers this offseason. He's beat too often um, on defense. Like I know they want him to be like a Jamal Adams guy, but when he covers, like, there are just times where it's, oh, my God, he gets blown right by, and he's an athletic freak, right? Like, But I, I honestly, I didn't love him coming out. He looks and feels like he's at his best with the ball in his hands. I think he's an offensive player, but uh, of course he's not going to change this late in his career. I don't know who would listen to me, but I've been preaching it since he came out of Michigan. Um, defense is doing a good job of handling the Bucks to uh, holding the Bucks to nine. Uh, Bradbury thrives in zone, but he's only good to okay in man to man. So um, you saw that kind of on the Mike Evans touchdown, but um, specifically. 
but I, I wrote that beforehand. I forget what he exactly did. I think he gets beaten, man, in the red zone. Not entirely sure. I don't really remember. Um, Bucks uh, at the end of the game are picking on Blake Martinez again. And look, the Bucks are the better team, but Judge and Patrick Graham have really made this defense play tough. Um, it's step forward from last year. They just lack really the pieces to uh, and the glue to put it all together. Um, they were definitely a team that's very interesting to keep an eye on this offseason because they have, I think this is the coaching staff that's going to stick around for a while. Um, look, Joe, Joe Judge has really made a lot of critics eat their dust, and there's going to be a lot of hate on him for the record this offseason for uh, you know, it, it's the same crap. It's the media trying to pull up a story. And uh, New York media is not going to take too kind to if they go, I don't know, 4-12. and 12. But um, he took a lot of crap this offseason. And uh, it's a really good sign that this team has gotten better with every week that's come. Um, I think it's a good sign that they play tough. Like if you look at the other team in New York or in New Jersey, they don't play tough. They don't play hard. They, uh, the Giants don't give up. And I think that that is a monumental, um, monumental uh, stride for this Giants organization. Look, they talk about these Belichick um, type of guys who try to implement the same stuff that Belichick does, right? And it never works. It never works. Quote, unquote, that's what they say. It never works. And the reason it never works is because it depends on the players and if they buy into it. right? If they know you're full of shit and you're not practicing what you preach and you're going home early on game weeks, uh, game night, and you're not putting in the work and they don't buy that, um, like what you're saying, like I think you're seeing with what Patricia has done with the Lions, so they're they've been awfully, um, you know, solid this year. Um, I, I just I think that you're seeing that with Joe Judge and especially Brian Flores, but that uh, I won't break my heart too much. That's who I wanted in the uh, in the Jets. Uh, for the Jets couples of seasons ago, but um, team these guys are buying into Joe Judge, and that's what I'm trying to say. So it's going to work out, uh, especially if they continue to buy in. Giants got their guy. That's all I'll say. Um, we're going to move on to the Jets, and uh, we're going to do a more of a deep dive on the Giants next podcast. Uh, I don't want to short you, but uh, it's kind of not really my choice that the game film isn't really up outside of the condensed version. <clears throat> and uh, my Jets film notes are on the game film and uh, probably more in depth than uh, the Giants. Oh, definitely more in depth than the Giants notes. So Jets Chiefs, let's let's talk about it. You hear the pain in my voice as the Jets start off 0-8 and honestly 
uh, I guess I'll talk about this now. I think that this game is a lot worse if Eric Bieniemy is not in the running for the Jets job. And you might be like, why? Why would that matter? Why would um, that have anything to do with it? Look, Andy Reid showed mercy to the Jets. They could have thrown the ball 100 times and probably put up 120 points on the uh, on the Jets' defense and that secondary. Uh, no one was hanging with Hill. Um, and, um, oh, wow. Breaking news, John Elway has tested positive for COVID-19. Um, sorry about that. Um, uh, I'm guessing that um, they don't want to leave a bad taste in the Jets organization's mouth if the Jets felt they were disrespected by Biennemi and Reed or the Chiefs. And you might be like, that's not how teams think. And that's not how organizations think. That's silly. Um, but realistically, uh, that's that is um, how teams think. It's the politics of the league. If Douglas felt that they were being disrespectful, maybe he gets knocked in the process. I'm not sure, but I, I do think that that's literally how that went with the play calling of this game. Uh, I think anyone with a brain saw that Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy were easily uh, able to pick off Greg Williams' defense. It, it, it simply wasn't close. Um, <clears throat> but hey, it, it is what it is. The Jets hung on for the for the first half, and the second half was kind of uh, embarrassing, uh, if if you will. Um, all right, let's start with the offense. Run to start the game. There's a shock. Uh, excited to see Mims play today. Uh, should be someone to keep an eye on. Um, the team refuses to pass protect. Uh, they, oh, okay. I'm talking about a specific play here. Um, look, I, I think Darnold's struggling to pick up um, um, protection and changing protections uh, and picking up on blitz pre-snap. It's evident a couple of times during this game where the right side of the line just isn't blocking anyone and the left side of the line is overloaded. Um, Where Becton's blocking the inside guy and it leaves a clean shot for two, like a a blitzing slot and a linebacker um, where Piran or Gore, whoever's back there, is picking up one but not the other and Darnold's getting hit. Uh, that's on Darnold. He's got to read that pre-snap and adjust to it. Someone's got to pick up on it and slide the the line to either side of the ball. Um, plays on third down. We'll talk about Gates a little bit. Um, th- their play calls, I mean, the designed route, the, the main route is short of the sticks, and uh, it sucks to see that. I don't understand it. doesn't make any sense to me. It'll be third and five, and it'll be... Uh, a throw to the flats with third yard, a three yard gain where Barrios has to make a play to get the first down. Why is the route not being run past five yard? I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, it's, it's definitely a trend. It's not like 
it's Darnold that's saying I'm going to check down on third down. Um, All right, the audio doesn't sound great right now. I apologize for that. Do not have my mic on me. Um, This is later in the day. Uh, We record, well, I record my, my Jets breakdown. Apparently, it doesn't save to uh, the um, I don't know the file, the software that we use. So that really sucks. Uh, I look. I'll, I'll just make this quick. Um, and maybe post my notes on on Thursday and redo it. Uh, but I really don't have the time to do it now. I'll make this a little one-minute, two-minute bit. Uh, things that stood out, Bryce Huff kind of gets his, you know, uh, he kind of has a little bit of a reality check for uh, Jets fans out there. He's good. He's going to be a role player going forward, but um, maybe a starter, but he's not going to be that dominant pass rusher. It's still a need. Uh, second, one thing you notice about the two uh, teams that played on Sunday is the difference in attack in the passing game. The Jets play horizontally, and the Chiefs play vertically, right? They're throwing down the field. All right, Tyreek Hill's main route is 10 yards down the field, while Braxton Berrios might be running 10 yards, but it's towards the sideline, right? And he's picking up three yards where Tyreek Hill's catching the ball at 10 yards and turning it upfield. Um, what else? Uh, Darnold doesn't look 100% to me. Uh, we talked about that a little bit. He, he kind of made me nervous with the shoulder. Obviously, he, he got a quote-unquote um, precautionary MRI today or yesterday. Um, but it really, the arm strength and the accuracy, I hope he's hurt because it didn't look good. It hasn't looked good the past couple of weeks. Um, and then the, the Mims thing, uh, I had a little bit of a rant on Mims and how he's being portrayed by Jets fans. I don't set yourself up for failure. He struggled yesterday to get open. Uh, there was a struggle for separation. He had a really nice play in the middle of the field where he was wide open early on in the game. Um, and then second catch was, was awesome. He caught it, ended up on his back. But there was not a lot of separation on that one either. Uh, it's it's scary, but you, you got when you look at it from afar, um, rather than just watching the game film, you realize that he had two injured hamstrings going into the game. So hopefully that was what was wrong with him. Um, and then real quick, actually no, I'll save that for Thursday. We talked about Darnold versus and Jones, and if they're the future of these two franchises, and what I do with that. Uh, regardless, thank you for listening. I'm sorry it is short. I can't believe 45 minutes went down the drain. Uh, just like that. It, it really sucks. And I wish I could put it out there. But it is what it is. And uh, more content for you on Thursday. So thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget to vote. And uh, we'll catch you next time.